Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Great shows. Great topics. Great radio. Joy 94.9. This is Join Only 4.9 and you're listening to Technogaze, where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets and technology during this holiday season. And I'm Michael and with me in the studio is Mark. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm good. Are you good. Uh, full as a goog? It's the worst thing when you kind of fall, fall ill over the festive <laughs> season, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it has its pluses, I guess. I, yeah, well, perhaps you don't put on as much weight as... <laughs> What you'd otherwise would, but uh, yes, no, I, I yes, I've, I've been, um, yeah, <laughs> doing a bit, uh, doing a bit uh, good on the on the waste front. Put it that way. Mm, <laughs> it's this combination of being on holidays and having food around. It's like oh, it's just there. Mm, mm. And luckily, I don't celebrate Christmas, so it's not too much of an issue. But there still seems to be lots and lots of food. Yeah, I, you can never have enough to food, right? Like uh, the, amount of, <laughs> the amount of ham that I that I I I had the duties of bringing the ham to the to the family. Oh yes, um, and and like it was I don't know four or five kilos or something. For this, I mean, it was on the bone, so I guess that that added some weight, weight to, to it. it but yeah, it, like we only had a certain amount for, but it's the whole thing, right? You have. Ham sandwiches and so forth afterwards. So. I can imagine you in the car going there, sort of just peeling bits of it off on the on the drive. <laughs> that's what I did. That's yes. why I mentioned it. Yes, it's a bit warm. Hmm, that's no good. <laughs> when you say you can never have too much, it reminds me of I think the Monty Python movie. Uh, was the Life of Brian, where the guy has the wafer at the end, and it was just that one wafer too much. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we digress. We as we usually do because <laughs> you know we're here to talk about tech, and some of the tech that we're talking about today is Apple related. Oh, yep. Yeah, so uh, we're going to have a look at uh, a new security flaw and how Apple have handled that, mm-hmm. and a bit of uh, GLBTI news. Yes, related, related to, Apple. to Apple. Yes, yes. which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, there's been a bit of an update in the last couple of days about the government's mandatory data retention laws with um, uh, some movement. Yes. I think, you know... Grown from <laughs> this side of the desk. Yeah, what I said was, um, yeah, the data retention Grinch visiting Oz Telcos. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hello, <laughs> welcome to, you know, government, how we... How we Bureau- government bureaucracy. Yeah. It's... Uh, anyway. And last week, when mm-hmm. we were winding up the show, Donna said, oh, which console do I get for Christmas? Well, 
there is an answer out there. Ah, yes. Yes. So we'll uh, have a look at that. The rapture is upon us or was upon us last week. Right. <laughs> oh, this is um, Instagram, isn't yes, it? Instagram yes, Instagram rapture. <laughs> when, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good way. Some thing hilarious to call numbers were, were lost because of uh, a whole bunch of uh, uh, fake accounts, I think, that, that uh, Instagram believe are fake, fake accounts, accounts anyway. Yeah. And uh, we're also going to be updating some of the stories that we've covered during the year, some from last week and some from some other times where, you know, there's been a bit of movement and uh, we thought, yep, we'll um, have a look at that. And it includes, obviously, uh, the latest news on the Sony Pictures hack and the interview mm-hmm. in North Korea. Quick look at LO and what's happening to that new social uh, networking site. Oh, yes, the social networking yeah. We well, Yes, I signed up for that. Oh. Um, but I haven't really used it since. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you are not atypical of many of the users. What you're saying is everyone else has done the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's an initial <laughs> rush and not much after that. And we will have a quick look at Google's self-driving car because there's been a bit of an update with that. Cool. So let us move on. And before we do, we would like to remind everyone that we'd love to hear from you during the show. And yes. There are lots and lots of ways to contact us. There is. You can uh, text us, 0427-JOY-949. You can ring up and leave a message with a lovely mushin on reception, 1300-JOY-949. Yes. And, of course, there's the old-fashioned email, onair at joy.org.au. But there's also something else, Twitters. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Yes, once I (laughs) make sure I've got the tab open. Yes, I do. Uh, Yes, you can uh, tweet us at technogaze, T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E is the uh, Twitter name. Um, with it, yes, uh, we're we're G A Z E, not G A Y Z. That's right. As some people might assume. Or G A Y S. Mm-hmm. Actually, we should we should do a leet version of Techno Gaze. We'll have to come up with that one. <laughs> what do you mean, like? Well, you know, because instead of no, you know, T or whatever, T E C H, we could do T three C H. You know, something like that. Just yeah, drop just off a vowel as well. <laughs> just like, we yeah. should reserve all the all the Twitter names because <laughs> all the different variants. Heaven knows, it's a it's a very popular name. I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> it it is it is. <laughs> I get stopped in the street often. <laughs> Nothing to do with the show, but I just get stopped on the street. Okay. Okay, before we digress even further down another path, mm-hmm. Apple, they've... <laughs> Favourite topic of mine. Yes, because we are a little bit fapless here. Actually, I did notice this on my on my computer just not long ago, was uh, a little notification pop up in the top right-hand corner of my mm-hmm. screen. It said, oh, we've done an update for you. And I'm like, wait, what? Does that even happen? <laughs> it, do- it does now. Apparently it does. So mm. there was um, a security for... That was found in uh, Unix, I believe, yep. um, and and it was actually I think Google, uh, the, some Google labs or something like that. They 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 found it, some sort of they research it. Um, yeah. team or something. Uh, but yeah, they they identified it. They disclosed it to to Apple, and it was around the uh, the the time protocol, as in the thing that syncs up your clock on your computer. Uh, every now and then, your computer will phone back to Apple's uh, time servers, or, or well, phone, I think it phones back to to whichever time server your ISP sets as your time server, unless you manually override it. Right. So yep. the NTP protocol is used everywhere, network time protocol, mm-hmm. and yeah, it literally does phone home and say what's the time, which is why when let's say you've got your smartphone and you go overseas and you get onto a data network, you find you know part of the reason is that it changes the time, which may be through NTP or through GSM network, but mm. it always keeps your computer in sync, which is great because you know long 
long gone are the days where, oh, yeah, my clock's out and I've got to reset it. Mm. It does it for you automatically. And, and the brilliant thing about that, uh, about the network time protocol as well, is that it works out to, you know, within a second or so. So you've pretty much got got very accurate, like, to the atom clocks over in, over in I don't know, wherever they are, uh, the timing. Mm. And, I, and I think the protocol is smart enough to be aware about latency. So if it knows mm. that it sends out the message three milliseconds ago and the computer knows that my latency is 10 milliseconds, it does the calculation mm-hmm. and it syncs itself so it is you know reasonably accurate rather than being out by that 10, 13 milliseconds mm. or something like that. Mm. And but the other there was a bug. <laughs> there was Sorry, a bug, yep. yes. In, in the Unix uh, operating system anyway, which is, which is what... Apple OS X is based on is a, uh, it's got a Unix sort of uh, underlying subsystem. So uh, a lot of the functionality that you get out of uh, Apple uh, Apple's um, OS X is yep. derived from the Unixy ways of doing things. Therefore, a bug that's found in Unix is often a, a bug, bug that's, that's also, that, yeah. particularly on such a low level sort of uh, thing like uh, the NTP protocol, the yep. network time protocol. Mm. So. Um, yeah, it's it's it was found, it was uh, fixed, and uh, even like there wasn't any sort of news of it in, until after I think the fix was was sent out. the The news in this though is that Apple have used their their ability to send software updates out without telling users. Yes, without getting user permission. Yeah, to to install it. Um, uh, you know, for the first time. So they've actually never used this function before. And it's been in the OS for a while. I'm mm. not sure how long, mm. but probably um, I would guess at least since the previous release, maybe the release before. Yep. But they, for whatever reason, they obviously thought that it was um, serious enough to do, let's push it out. Yes. And I don't know whether it was a function to do with the time of the year that maybe people, they're concerned that people uh, weren't around, people weren't as aware or focused on security issues. Mm-hmm. But it does raise a question. Hmm. What's that question? Well, you know, are there any security implications with <laughs> Apple being able to basically run anything on my computer at any point in time? Don't don't you trust your benevolent overlord of, of Apple? Uh, I subscribe to the trust no one principle, except for, <laughs> you know, benevolent me. Of course, if it was you. Was I'm okay, I'm fine, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so, I, and this is the thing, right? So it's a bit of... Bit of um, <laughs> judgment on on apple's part and it's it's significant as well in in my opinion anyway that and i'm you know uh, full disclosure of i mean i don't have any sort of need to promote apple myself but what I, about your million shares? Uh, oh, I wish. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Was I over here? I bought, bought, bought at the time Scully, that Scully left and Jobs came back. Oh, if <laughs> only. Yeah, oh, bless. That would have been... Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I if if um, uh, I I do have a penchant for for Apple products. I think that they do things well, and there is, uh, in my opinion, justification in in releasing this without without um, necessarily asking for permission because it is a low impact uh, security update. As in, it's uh, well from all reports, there's no sort of fallout from it. There's no one complaining that yes, um, that's right. Their uh, their computers are no longer working. I mean, what could really go wrong when they when they update uh, NTP? Um, maybe your time is going to go out for you know some yeah, time, and um, you can always override that anyway. So, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that maybe it's maybe it's not such a not such a big concern. But yeah, it it does raise the bigger question of hey, they have this ability to run updates without you without asking you, which essentially means say they have the ability to run code on your local computer without 
sort of giving you asking if it's okay. So, and that could be any code, really, like down oh, down the that's line. That's right. My, my biggest, um, I guess, concern because for Apple per se, I trust them enough to do that because if they wanted, you know, they could build anything as a backdoor into the operating system. Yeah. You wouldn't know. Yeah. And the same with Microsoft. You know, they they own the operating system, so they, and they don't release. I mean, they're they're making moves to to release more and more of their uh, operating system as open source. Um, you know, or at least the, the the components that make up what Windows is. But still, a lot of it is closed. Like you, you can't see the code. You don't know what's actually running. That's right. So you do have an element of trust of of the people who make these operating systems, even Linux as well. The same can be said for for Linux. Uh, you know, you get an update. That could be anything really. But yeah, you, you just get, you've you, got to accept it. You trust that that's, mm. that's my good. my only concern is that if, for instance, Apple one day gets hacked in some way, mm. that then this perhaps could be a vehicle. But, yes, I suspect yeah. there's a whole bunch of security around the. Uh, the One uh, would hope so. Yes. Now, do you let's maybe let's continue on and yeah, there's, the next story. There's one other one, which is an Apple-related story, and it's a good news story for, for us in the GLBTIQ community. Maybe not so much local, but still uh, good nonetheless. Apple CEO Tim Cook has made a personal donation, personal donation, but, yeah. um, to a gay rights uh, campaign. Uh, over in uh, Alabama, uh, Arkansas, and Mississippi. So it's an undisclosed amount. Yeah, but it's it's said to be substantial, and he's helping uh, fund a three-year campaign that's worth about $8.5 million. So if it's mm. substantial, you know, you can draw your own conclusions. And the aim of the campaign is to build acceptance for the GLBTI community within those southern states. And that's a, that's sort of, I guess, a very targeted thing, because he, he came, I think, from Arkansas himself. Alabama, he, he, yeah. Oh, Alabama. He, yep. he grew up in Alabama. Um, he has that sort of drawl to his to his accent as mm. well, which is, um, I don't know, some would say is quite cute. <laughs> Not that I'm at all, um, you know, a bit smitten over Tim Cook. But, um, yeah, he... Um, he yeah he's 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 decided that he needs to put uh, put some put some money into that which is I, th- I think it's a very very you know uh, beautiful thing to do. Uh, look, I think it's a wonderful thing to do, and he's really the first um, openly gay CEO from a Fortune one thousand company mm. out there, mm. having come out in October. Yeah. And I love his quote that he that. Um, the thing they said when he came out back then when he says that he considers himself that being gay is amongst the greatest gifts that God has given me. Mm. So one, it is I recognise it as a gift and two, it's a gift from God. So it's like I, I really mixing really the two together. Yeah, I really yep. think that's um, a a smart saying. And especially yeah. if you if you believe in God, hey, you know that's that is that is what it is. It's it's you know it's who you believe in that, that created you. So yeah. yeah. Now talking about God, mm-hmm. we have the rapture that we're going to talk about next here on Techno Gaze on Joy ninety four point nine. Techno Gaze. This is Technogaze on Joy 94.9. It's 17, 17 minutes past Monday, as I trip over my tongue. 17 minutes past Monday. Oh, Monday midday. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realise that. Right? Good. Uh, it's, it's the silly season, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Is that my excuse? Good, I'll take that one. Yes, yes. We were talking about God and rapture. <laughs> <laughs> the Instagram rapture. Oh the, oh, the Instagram rapture. Are you a, are you on Instagram yourself, Michael? No, I'm such a lot. Sometimes oh, it's, it's it's a great way to, to what, so it's patronising bless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
no, it's just a rapture. It's, it's yeah, time yes. to be blessed. No, uh, so Instagram, of course, for for the uh, for those uninitiated in in all things social media, um, <laughs> like me, is a photo uh, sharing app. You can like. I think you can comment on it as well. Um, but it's really just about the photo, so it's not really about words so a much. Bit like Flickr. Um. Yeah, Flickr's more about you know. I, I think there's Flickr's got a more of a, a following of of actual photographers and people who want to show impressive uh, photography as opposed to Instagram, which, which is more like, hey, this is where I am. Hey, cool snap. Oh, of, oh hence you know, instant. Mm. Boom. Which is the more not safe for work site? Oh, I I wouldn't know, says Mark. Okay, no, no, no. no. I, I, I mean, Instagram's probably I, there's there's rules around Instagram as well, and I, I don't often see actually. Um, it's it's not a uh, what's that other site that everyone gets onto and sends. Um, if you if you know the site I'm thinking of, Texas oh four two seven joy nine four nine. This is the, we really shouldn't use this venue to <laughs> scout for help on what sites to oh, see. No, it's 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 anyway. Um, anyway, yes. getting back to the Instagram. rapture. <laughs> God, we, we get so easily distracted. I think, I think, I think the uh, most amazing news out of out of this particular Instagram raffle, and this might allude to what the actual story is, but Justin Bieber has lost 3.5 million followers on Instagram due to this rapture, so to speak. And what was rapt or raptured? <laughs> well, um, apparently, uh, so a lot of internet bots... Um, and uh, other other fake accounts have been set up on Instagram, and Instagram, as in the company, yes, uh, which is actually owned by Facebook, by the way. Yeah, they bought it a little while ago. Um, is has decided that uh, they want to find all these bots and turn them off. So they've they've disabled a whole bunch of accounts and removed them as followers on other people's accounts. So, no, so Justin Bieber's followers weren't real people, is what you were saying? Well, three point five million, according to Instagram. Yeah. Which is a lot. That's not, not a bad sum of... of and, of, and he wasn't the only celebrity that was hit. There was some other celebrity that lost 56% of their followers. And I had a look at her name. It's like, I didn't even know who she was. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. And this is the thing. So a lot of social media stuff, right? So uh, uh, there's people on social media who are on social networking sites in general that are purely their, their presence is the social networking presence. So uh, they are purely known for their their um, their their presence on on and that, and they and they make money out of this because mm. you know companies pay them to make sponsored posts so you know if Justin Bieber says I like Acme widgets you know half the world's going to go out and buy Acme widgets now that these celebrities are losing their their followers or followships or whatever the, the proper term is you know what's going to happen to the sponsors are they going to be as willing to do that Mm. Or not? Well, which will be interesting. So it could be that, in some ways, Instagram are really cooking their own goose. Yes, yes. Because if the celebrities have less followers, they get less sponsorship, but they find some other platform where they're going to make more money. Mm, perhaps there's also Maybe. a Persian. Is if, if it's getting out of hand, then you know a whole bunch of uh, accounts that aren't actually there functioning as you know what the total the the reason for the site to exist is, which is actual social interaction. interaction. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a concern. I mean, I think I'm I'm on Instagram. And I've got a whole bunch of followers that I don't even know. They just kind of, and and oh, and this is the other thing. <laughs> have you checked lately? They're probably all well, gone. Yeah, they may well have. I didn't pay for them, so hey, that's okay. But um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those sites where you can just post photos and you can hashtag photos as well. So people can just do searches for for things and they end up 
uh, uh, am I talking about Instagram or Snapchat? I can't remember. No, no, no. Sna- Snapchat, I think, is the site. So thank you to the listener oh. without a name mm. for that. It is a site where actually maybe there are some not. So no, no, no. Snapchat no? is not the one that I'm thinking, thinking of. of. Okay. But, uh, but a, we, we'll review it. <laughs> we, we should have a look. We should do some research. Snapchat is, a, is another. Uh, we've we've discussed this before. It's um. A very interesting site in, its, in itself. But uh, thank you for, for that message, uh, Anonymous. You're a webmaster, apparently. Um, yes. <laughs> yep. Very good. Uh, <laughs> Anonymous webmaster. <laughs> uh, no, this is not Thursday night. Now, the, <laughs> the thing that I liked is that there was one account in Instagram that lost 18 million followers. Yes. Guess who's? Who? <laughs> Instagram. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh. So they purged themselves. Well, that's all right. Mm. I, I think. You know, oh, I wish this more. was Thursday night. Oh, things like this. We should have a techno. Is after dark. We've spoken about yeah. this before. We have. Maybe we should try and uh, you know mm. take on the other show. Maybe be a guest segment to the yes techno goes after dark on uh, on hide and seek. Let us move on. Mm. Now this one's an interesting one. A number of top hotel chains in the U.S., including you know famous brands such as Hilton and Marriott, or Marriott, depending whether you're American or not, have said that mobile hotspots interfere with on-site wireless networks and may even pose a security risk. Okay, so we're talking about uh, mobile hotspots being Wi-Fi access points that have been set up by by a mobile phone. Yeah, so right? when you're tethering or yeah, you access the hotspot on your phone. So you go to a hotel and you don't want to get on their Wi-Fi for maybe it costs a lot of money, mm-hmm. and so you use your mobile phone. Right, and and that's that's a good way to you know you might set up your your laptop to to tether to your phone and 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 be able to connect to the rest of the world. You might have that through you know particularly through uh, if you're there for a business. You'll need to keep up to date with what's going on business-wise and what better place to That's do right. that than a hotel. Yeah. So, But these hotels said, oh, no, no, this is going to cause problems to our wireless networks and security risks. So they've petitioned the FCC for permission to cripple those types of devices when on hospital, uh, not hospital hotel property. Ah. <laughs> This is so, and they've talked about it. So this is actually a submission to the FCC. Um, they they claim that um, it's it's actually interfering with the security of their their networks. Yeah, perhaps. A little, it, yeah. It, and, and they're saying it's not individuals in hotel rooms. It's more when you get a convention, get a whole lot of people. You've got oh. all these spurious airways, and it's affecting our own infrastructure, and therefore may affect our security services. Of course, they deny it's got nothing to do with the fact that they're losing revenue. Yeah, but these these. Uh, particularly for for conventions and so forth, they they can sometimes charge up to two hundred and fifty to even a thousand dollars for internet access over the course of of, of a visit, and That's this right. is uh, you know particularly a market that often it's business uh, uh, you know the conventions are business related, so they can often just the, the people who set up these the or connect to these Wi-Fi access points can just charge it onto their business and not really have to worry, worry about, about it. it. Yep. But it's it's a bit bit of a money maker for them, isn't it? Totally. So there was a case in Nashville earlier on this year where they didn't allow the conventioneers, so the people who were on the stalls and the stands mm. at the convention to use their own Wi-Fi, they must have blocked it, mm. and they forced them to, as you said, pay between $250 and $1,000 for the stallholders wow. to use it, yeah. and the FCC um, fined them, and they said, you're not allowed to do it, which is why you know they've gone officially now with this petition to say, hey, yeah. we want to do this. Now, what's interesting is there are, there are a couple of ways of blocking access. One mm. is to block the airwaves, send... 
enough noise down the airway so you block every single device, which one is illegal, mm. but two would also knock out their own systems. Yes. So what they're proposing, and they also want the FCC to clarify this as part of their submission, is they want to do um, something called deauth packet disconnects. Right. So in as part of the Wi-Fi standard, which I didn't realise beforehand, that um, there's something called a deauth where the Wi-Fi access point can send a deauth packet to the client, to your PC or whatever mm-hmm. it's connected, yep. which says, oh, I want you to authorize against me yet again. Yep. So, so essentially it reconnects. Now, if you send lots and lots and lots of these packets all the time and you send them specifically to individual devices, mm. they can knock out people's individual devices through a denial of service attack without affecting their own equipment. Right. Mm. And you can imagine the response from companies like Google and other people saying, hey, which I think is right, you really sure this isn't a money spinning exercise and what is the interference and mm. what is the real justification for this? Um, yeah, well, and, and often, like, particularly in relation to conventions, you know, Microsoft put on massive conventions, so do, so do Google, um, in, in convention centres that are, you know, often hotels. Yes, uh, that's right. I suspect that, and, and part of that usually for particularly IT-related conventions is, Hey, here's a here's a here's a Wi-Fi system to connect your your devices to. Uh, Often times it's you know it can be a bit flaky, depending on the number of IT nerds trying yes, to get on this Wi-Fi right, network yeah. at the same time. <laughs> but they they're keen, like they they obviously are keen to ensure that their their guests who have paid a couple of thousand dollars to to get on to to actually be at the convention to to have them comfortable have and, access and have access to the internet as well. So. I suspect they would be, um, you know, they want to maintain that that ability to to keep it um, keep their punters happy. Yes. Mm. So the FCC are probably going to rule in a couple of months, and somehow I don't think the hotels are going to be lucky. Mm. I certainly hope not. Now, from the microphones here at Joy, straight to the ears of Chinese giant Alibaba. Right. Donna asks. Yes. And rumours prevail. <laughs> now, Alibaba prevail. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm saying rumours prevail because <laughs> this is a rumour. There is no fact mm. on this, and, but there is a very strong rumour um, that Alibaba, who is a very large e-commerce company, floated on the US Stock Exchange a few months ago, we spoke about, I think, something like $25 billion from memory. Yep. They're rumoured to be working on a high-end games console you know, fairly specifically for the Chinese market. Right. So, Donna, there's your answer. You might have to wait till next year. You might have to go to China. <laughs> and there's, there's, so it's been a bit of a, uh, there's obviously being Chinese, uh, there's actually some rules that Chinese uh, manufacturers need to, to, need to adhere to in terms of the, uh, the, the consoles that are made. In fact, China for 15 years up until last year, Banned um, the manufacture of consoles. Yeah, you went, of, of a local. Well, use of use of consoles. So you oh, weren't really? you weren't allowed to own a gaming console in China until uh, just recently. Fifteen years, this ban was on there, hmm. and then the Chinese government recently lifted that ban. Right. So the market is very very young. Xbox only launched there, I think, in October, and PlayStation is launching in January of next year, so next month. Mm. So it really is, from a timing perspective, it's a really good time for somebody like Alibaba to come in there. You know, number two, they're a Chinese company, and I think that they understand the market are way better than any foreign company is ever going to understand the market. Mm. And they are probably one of the few players in China that is capable of doing something like this you know they're huge they've got resources so they're going to be able to commission developers to write games specifically for them yeah with such big um 
uh, is it, are they publicly listed? $20 billion is, is yeah, what they were. Listed on uh, one of the US stock exchanges, probably in NASDAQ. So one of the, one of, with that sort of size, that's, that's um, you know, t- they could take on Microsoft and, and Sony. In fact, Sony would look quite small in comparison. Probably they would, yeah. And to a local um, audience and a very, very large local audience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you have an Australian company that's got a, a potential market of 20 million, it's, you know, it's, it's nothing. But when you're talking about, what, one and a half billion people or something like that? Yep. Then, um, yeah. It, um, so, you know, it may or may not happen, but I would probably put some money on it, which means it won't happen. Actually, that's a kiss of death, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Michael and his famous predictions. We'll probably come back to my BlackBerry prediction. Oh, we need to do that Later on, yes. yes. We'll see what happens to that. It's... Um, now, half past midday exactly, join 94.9. Technogiz. Love your afternoons. Join 94.9. 19 degrees here in Melbourne. Mm. Nice sunny day. Top of 23. Beautiful I'm, Christmas weather, eh? Indeed. And I wonder how many people are out there shopping for their uh, post Christmas Boxing Day bargains and probably online. And if so, well, we're hoping you're listening to us mm. and all the other shows here on uh, Joy 94.9. Yes. Yes. It's a great uh, lineup of, of afternoon lifestyle shows here on Joy 94.9. I like Saturdays. It's one of those days where you can just lay in bed and listen to the radio. Hang and, out. Yep. Mm, perhaps get out of bed and lay in the sun. Yes, that would be nice as well. Or like us, come into the studio, otherwise there'll be dead air from 12 to 1. <laughs> Which is not good. No. Now, um, the Grinch. In a, well, in a few moments, we will. We, we mentioned before, um, Allo. Uh, we're going to talk about Allo, yeah. which is a social media site. And we asked before what uh, what photo sharing apps there are around uh, the internet, um, and <laughs> we're getting Adrian. <laughs> Adrian, the uh, mystery webmaster, he's, he's named himself now. Thank you, Adrian, for uh, telling us your name. Uh, Pinterest is another one. Uh, that's right. That's yeah, pretty cool site. I used Pinterest the other day for the, oh, first, really? for the first time. Have you got an account? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, no. Right. I did a search for um, some household cleaning stuff and it was a Pinterest article. So. <laughs> a very I, domestic, I, I felt very domesticated. Sad time of year, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. the, uh, but the, what, was the, what was the one that we, we, we came, we realised? Tumblr. Tumblr. That's the site that uh, is... Another often, site without veils. Yeah, well, there is one value, but doesn't have well, the e. e. Yeah, yeah actually, there's a there's a bit of a theme there, isn't it? Without the e, does that mean it mean it's um, no, mean it's of some no coincidence? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. So no, oh, shall we move on? Uh, oh, that's right. Oh, the government, our our, <laughs> our, our beloved government. Oh. So, of course, there's been an ongoing thing about uh, the government wanting to take control of the internet. That's that's my phrase this so they essentially want to take over in, introduce a new firewall great firewall of australia i don't know the so, great firewall of australia yes um and and one of the things that they have been talking about for the past year or so uh malcolm turnbull in particular has been pushing this this line is the uh, ability to store metadata of everyone who connects to the internet uh through Australian ISPs. So this is the mandatory data retention plans. Yes. The ones that George Brandis spoke about so eloquently. Yes. So we're talking about uh, George Brandis being our Attorney General and Malcolm Turnbull being our Communications Minister. Um, they, what do they do? They're, they're, they've now, so the, the department responsible for, for this area of, uh, of legislation is, uh, has asked 
um, and it's been discovered through uh, an online tech publication, The Register, which is uh, one of my favourites anyway. They, they have a little R symbol, which is like the, the registration. Anyway. <laughs> I was um, wondering where you're going with the R. <laughs> what was happening after yeah. that? No, they, they've not yet been able to confirm whether all recipients uh, of this particular questionnaire um, have have actually um, had this same time period. But the, it's been alleged that this this particular petition, or what was it, the questionnaire that was sent out to a whole bunch of ISPs, um, was only given nine working days to respond. Now, the questionnaire is in relation to these these data retention laws. It's actually asking a lot of um, pertinent information around how much would cost to um, implement. To implement right, so, the data so to the telcos, if we did this, what's it going to cost? What's the impact? Yeah, and it's it's shed a bit of light on the government's position on on what they're trying to achieve here. So they they've also talked about hey, how much is it going to cost? And by the way, you can outsource this this uh, the data um, uh, storage capacity. For, for this as well. Okay. Uh, and, and even if you do, what will be the costs in, in relation to that? Now, nine working days doesn't sound very much. No. So, and and it when was, sent, was it sent? It was, it was sent on December the 24th. Oh, Christmas Eve. Yeah. Oh, when most companies are fully staffed. <laughs> yeah, all over that, that stuff. I guess... So some people might actually be finding out about it through the media reports. It's like, oh, just checking yeah. up on my latest tech news. <laughs> what? I have to respond to what? It, it almost makes you think that perhaps some people weren't really serious about consulting the industry. Mm. Perhaps, I don't know, says he. Well, it might also be that um, perhaps they've got some ISPs who are supportive of the uh, legislation who are more inclined to respond to these because they may already have these figures available to them okay, about yep. how much the, the cost you know is. Because they've they've already thought about considering it, uh, as opposed to just fighting the the concept of the legislation, which other ISPs are, have done. Forty odd telcos were sent this this thing, and were given a, a due date of January the ninth. So that, that effectively gives what nine uh, was it nine days nine, nine working, working days. days. Through some of the negative industry feedback that they got, they've actually extended that by a week. So they've now gone extended to the response to January 16. Now, to be fair to to be fair to everyone, the register does say, "Hey, we haven't been able to verify the uh, December 24th. We we believe that some certainly have. Whether yes. it's all or not, we the, don't know." The letter was uh, oddly dated just December 2014. So. Maybe it was sent on December 24th. Maybe it was sent on December 1. Who knows? But I think, yeah, from what I read, there was some metadata that seemed to indicate it was on the 24th, and that's why they're saying the 24th. Right. Yeah. So it's actually uh, a questionnaire that was put together by um, PricewaterhouseCoopers, which in itself is not a surprise because it's been known that uh, PwC have been consulting with the government on, mm. on all aspects of this particular legislation. And some of the questions were things like, what are the operational benefits uh, would the additional store data provide to your business? So, you know, is there anything good for you? And uh, what do you think your upfront capital costs are going to be if the mandatory data retention period was different to that's what's currently proposed, which was somewhere between 12 and 36 months? So I'm just wondering whether that means that they're hedging their bets and saying, well, look, if we made it six months, then... You know, maybe that will appease the population, or maybe we'll make it four years, and because it's not going to cost you that much. I don't, you know, mm. we don't know. Yeah, so there's there's some interesting insights into where the, where the government's going with with this, and it looks like you know, just by mere fact of them consulting, they can tick that box. They can say, hey, we've consulted with the industry. These people are saying this is how much it's going to cost, and they're probably more favourable numbers to the other ones who are sort of more, um, you know, inclined to to bear the full cost. 
out in, in these types of responses, I suspect. Yeah. So it'll be uh, another one to watch. Mm. Yes. Hello. 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 Now, they made a big splash. They did. And then they <laughs> then they sort of belly flopped after the big splash. Yes. Now, if you recall, it was around, particularly around Facebook's um, a stance on the use of real names, as in your your legal name, as opposed to perhaps a name that you're very well known as. And this, in fact, at the time affected uh, quite a number of the GLBTIQ community, uh, in particular drag, uh, uh, kings and queens, perhaps, uh, would use different names. Name. Yep. And they would, they would have Facebook accounts, actual Facebook accounts with that name. Uh, they were being asked to, to shut down their, that, that particular account. Uh, and other people who wished to remain anonymous or semi-anonymous on the on the internet. Um, Plus, there was this big um, group of people that felt very comfortable with Allo because Allo said, "If we advertise, then we have to give information about you to our advertisers because they need to know the demographics. We will never advertise. This is a policy." And so, a lot of people said, "Yep, this is great. Let's move to them," and which is why it drew so much interest. Hmm. And it's been pretty quiet since then. And I think there are, like you said earlier on, a lot of people signed up, had a look around. Oh, not many people here, not many of my friends. And yeah, it's that whole critical massing that any social mm. media site needs to have, particularly when it's trying to take on uh, an existing social media site, which is um, quite active in, in the way that the interaction needs to occur. So you can't just... Like in the sense of, say, Instagram and all the photo sharing apps that we were talking about before, it's quite a passive thing. You can jump onto one, post a photo there, and jump on onto another and post a photo there, and it's just like liking and 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 hashtagging and and so forth. Facebook and Ello, like, and Ello was basing a lot of its functionality on 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 what Facebook gives you the the capability to do. So write posts and and describe because what's people going are comfortable with world. that as well. Yeah, and you'd need that. Um, uh, that that was its kind of and, and the, that is quite a difficult thing for them to do is to usurp um, the position of Facebook. So, um, Allo have have um, uh, have talked about I think just recently, uh, uh, yeah, and, and they've actually announced plans to in 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 2015 to include uh, native mobile apps for iOS and Android. So rather than using uh, your browser uh, to access them, yes, yeah, so they'll have native, which will make it easier for people. Mm. And they're also referring to a big design update to the desktop interface. And one of the criticisms that I, I know I levelled at them and it echoed uh, quite a lot of the uh, the tech writing that was done at the time was this odd use of Korea New around uh, the, the entire site. Um, <laughs> it's funny, you know, how I have this pet peeve with Times Roman on websites or even on printed matter. So you get this fixation. This this font is offensive to my eyes. Yes. And, and Korea New is that, that, that fixed width font. If, if you're in the font, fontologist world, is that a word? The, the kind of the world of understanding typography, that's the word. Yeah. Um, fontology. What the hell? How did I come up with that? A new, anyway. a new word for the day. <laughs> um, and it's that, that sort of typewriterish look, and it just didn't seem to work really well with um, with a with a website, a modern website. Anyway. But you know, their whole theme is black and white and very sparse and very quick, and the, you know, we don't know what the new one's going to look like, and you know whether it will look better, well, or load slower. But they raised five and a half million dollars in October, and they're obviously using this to fund this initiative. So. Again, are they going to be around for much longer? Are they going to get new users? We'll mm. have a look. But they're not, not dead yet. That's correct. <laughs> yes. They're, they're, and I've still got an account. I'll probably log back in when, uh, and when have it a, happens. Yeah, and have a look and see. Check it out. Yep. Competition is always good. Mm. Except when we're on air, of course. <laughs> 
Not for us. <laughs> exactly. It's 17 minutes to one here on Joy 94.9. Techno Games. Great shows. Great topics. Great radio. In Joy 94.9. Indeed. <laughs> in, 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 in. Can't I get a word in edgeways, you, you, you big announcer man? Where's the big red button that I can turn it off? <laughs> Over this side of the desk. Oh, <laughs> I want to be on that side of the desk. Oh. You'll get a chance next week. Mm. Got to wait a whole week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mark and Michael in the studio this week, Technogaze. Join 94.9. That's the one. If you want to contact us, as uh, Adrian has done earlier, you can do so. Email us on air at joy.org.au. Text us 0427JOY949. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Or call us 1300JOY949. Oh, yes. Yes, Mushin. Thank you for being on the front desk. As always, you're a, you're a star, Mushin. And you don't need to be a webmaster to talk to us. No. <laughs> you could be a master of something else. <laughs> no, 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 wrong time slot. Wrong time, wrong, wrong time slot. <sighs> you, anyway, you one track minded person, North Korea mm. and Sony Pictures yes. continue to plague us. Now, Sony, who last week cancelled the release of the interview and then was chastised by President Obama saying, hey guys, why didn't you talk to us beforehand, have now come back and said, oh, we're going to release it online. In fact, they have released it online, places like YouTube, uh, where you can rent or buy the movie and people have been doing that. They've also decided that they were going to release it in cinemas, which they did on Christmas Day in the US on select cinemas. So not their usual broad range of cinemas, but the ones that put up their hand and probably a lot of smaller cinemas. And um, they've gotten full houses. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people going there. And apparently, and I think this is very much an American thing, that the audience, instead of clapping at the bits where uh, the Korean president gets killed, they clapped at the bits that basically were promoting freedom of speech. And you, and you can American, imagine an American audience doing this. Oh, everyone's all patriotic. Oh, that's all right. Now, <laughs> I think it was, yeah, last week we, we knew that the US government or the FBI had to come out and said, oh, North Koreans, you're bad. You're the ones that sucked, sucked, that hacked into Sony Pictures. Now there's a bit more doubt creeping out in the uh, voices of analysts who are saying, eh, maybe not. Hmm. And one of the reasons why they're saying maybe not is that the North Korean internet infrastructure is probably nowhere near as developed as our infrastructure. And when I read this, I went, oh, this is interesting. They have a single connection into the country, so no redundancy. Mm. They have a total... Actually, can we have a drum roll? They have a, they have a total of... Yes, 1,024 IP addresses for the whole country. 1,020, what? That's that means only 1,024 devices can connect with a unique IP address that's into the internet. four C-blocks. No, uh, yes, four C, no, four C-blocks. C-blocks, yes. Yeah. In, uh, in ABC, the yeah, because yes. ABC, yeah. Hmm. There, are, there are four C-blocks, if you know the difference between A-class and B-class and C-class network, yeah. which is tiny. And nobody knows exactly what speed their connection is, but somewhere between two and a half and ten gigabits um, generally is thought to be. So, and... And all of these, all of this internet infrastructure is in the capital city of, um, I'm not going to pronounce it properly, Pyongyang. I think oh, it yeah. is. Yep. So it's not, very, it's certainly not very diverse. 
So the question is, mm, does this country really have the technical expertise and resources to carry out an attack on Sony Pictures? Mm. Mm. So, uh, and the attack was released as a denial of service, a distributed denial of service attack, wasn't it? Oh, no, the, this is a security attack, actually, isn't it? But, actually... No, so, it was, well, it was a DDoS attack. Yes, and this was the, the other aspect of this particular news item was that... Uh, so they, they released it in cinemas, but they also released it on Google's Play Now, I think is the name of the service. I can't remember now. Oh, the Sony Pictures. Um, so, uh, yep. Uh, yep. And, and, yeah, so the PlayStation Network, I think, had it available, and the Xbox Network. So they tried to be, you know, corporate America, hey, everyone have, have you know, competition's good type thing. Um, the result is that the PlayStation uh, service went down, and I think also Xbox's service went down, down as a result of... So of this, this is this like this counter thing. So Sony Pictures get hacked, North Korea gets a, a DDoS attack, and yeah. then Sony Pictures, when they release their movie onto these online things like PlayStation and Xbox, they get a DDoS attack as well. Mm. So it's like one, one cyber counterattack after counterattack. What uh, is interesting now? These, the sorry, the Xbox and uh, I think PlayStation came back after a day or a day and a half, mm -hmm. if not fully, then you know in, in limp mode. Just getting back to the North Korean um, DDoS attack, the you would think that a if let's say Australia suffered a whole internet outage, we have massive infrastructure. It is difficult to do, mm. but because North Korea has got such minimal infrastructure, a DDoS attack is much more likely to work. Yes. The, one of the really, really interesting things is there were two elements to the DDoS attack, and one of them was this Unix NTP vulnerability that we spoke about at the top of the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So... <laughs> timely. <laughs> very, very timely. <laughs> so next um, week, yes. we'll probably have some more news on what's happening between <laughs> North Korea and yeah, the rest of the world. By all accounts, it's not a great movie, though, is it? No, which... But, yeah, the cinemas are flooded with people. Oh, well. Aren't there are the conspiracy theories, isn't there? That in fact, it, it, the whole thing was just a, a, a rouge by Sony's marketing team to try and get a whole bunch of bums on seats. And boy, if that was the case, has it has it worked? He, they even got the US president to talk about, about it. <laughs> to essentially endorse the movie and say, people, you should go and see the movie. Yeah, and, well, you know, we should defend the rights of this movie. My, wow. my only question to that is, do you really think that Sony's marketing department is as good as that, that they're able to pull off something like this. And I don't... I, yeah, there's yeah. a whole bunch of... Uh, and some of the stuff that actually was, was released as part of the, the attack uh, was pretty uh, profound. Like, we're talking, you know, pretty pretty closed secrets of such an, an organisation. That's so, right. Yeah, the likelihood of that... Mm, mm, so but it does, it does fit our internal mindset that says, ooh, conspiracy, this would, this would be good. Mm. Now, another story that we looked at, I think it was back in May, was about the Google self-drive car. Oh, yes. A cute little koala car. Yeah, it I looked think. like a koala, didn't it? Yeah. It's just the face. Now, it was a really, really early prototype that was testing certain aspects of the self-drive car. I didn't realise at the time, but the headlights on the car were actually painted on, <laughs> which I think is why it gave it this koala eye-looking thing. Aww. Yeah, yes. it didn't have pedals. It didn't have a steering wheel. Well, Google have now released a, another prototype, but this is the uh, full version so the full, first build of a fully functional oh, wow. uh, prototype that's okay. legally allowed to be driven on California roads. Yep. So the car can do everything. It hasn't. I don't think it's been on the road just yet, and they're going to be doing some more internal testing for the next uh, five or six months before they release it on the road. Mm. But it's the next stage, and there have been lots and lots of prototypes since then that have been focusing on specific elements of the self-driving 
um, aspect of the car. We will put up on uh, our Facebook page a photo of what the car looks like. It still looks pretty much like it did before. Actually, it looks like a um, a toy police car because it's got this big dome, like this oversized mm. siren or light dome on the top, yep. which it must have its LiDAR detectors and everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's got radar built in, which I think is, an, is actually quite an interesting component to the self-driving com- car because, because it's radar. It can actually see through... Uh, certain surfaces. So uh, an example that was given in one of the write-ups that I saw was through a hedge that was on the side of the road, they could actually see a a cyclist waiting to to cross the road and the the, the driving... Well, in fact, I think it was a a cyclist that was moving and the the car stopped uh, as a result. Um, So, you know, there's some interesting technology there that that enhances the human experience of of driving, uh, as in... it. It's better than better than human. No, because if if the hedge is not physic, if you can't see through it, then you're not going to know that there's mm. cyclists there. And I, and I guess probably one of the things that it does work out is the speed that the object is moving and calculates it's probably a cyclist because it's faster than somebody can walk or a car or you know mm. something like that. And it's a whole thing of you know, hey, uh, there's probably bugs and probably situations where it doesn't work itself out so well, uh, but. That's the same with humans, right? We're not that great at driving ourselves. Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, but if there's a bug and something accident happens, well, really, you need over time to look at what's the accident rates between human drivers and automated drivers mm. and which is better for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, we've had discussions before, you know, what if the computer decides, you know, <laughs> whose life is more important? Take over. Yeah, take yeah. over and stuff like that. But that's sort of uh, for another show. Now, mm. because of California road l- rules, mm. the car does have a proper steering wheel and does have uh, brakes and pedals and stuff like that. And, oh, I, right. and I think the uh, the road rules say that a driver must be in control of all times, as in you oh. must be sitting up front ready to put your foot on the brake or to take over if the computer fails. Right. So, so essentially doing, you need to be concentrating for, for the that's right. time. And uh, probably Google's mind and certainly in my mind, as we get more experience and we we as a society build up more confidence in the use of technology in this way, that the road rules will start to change, that there'll probably be some sort of certification process. And once you undergo a certain certification process and hopefully a process that moves forward in terms of, you know, how do you release software updates and stuff like that, mm. that rules will change that, yep, driverless cars are there. You don't need a steering wheel. You know, you can be have two people in the car facing each other, mm-hmm. talking it over... Something become more acceptable. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because I look forward to such a device for my old age, which is, oh, what time is it? <laughs> it's tomorrow, isn't it? <laughs> now, talking about time, mm-hmm. we have managed to... Already five minutes to one, isn't it? Exactly. Here So time goes so quickly. You're on Joy 94.9. Techno this is Joy 94.9 and you're listening to Technogaze and the last bit of Technogaze because we are running out of time as usual. Now, I saw this story and I thought we have to talk about very it. Quickly, yes. Very quickly. Very quickly. Now, the French are known for being very protective of their language. <laughs> they actually and have this thing called, what is it? The uh, L'Académie Française. Yes, which uh, the Academy of French Speakingness. Mm, that are responsible, <laughs> apart from other things, of uh, producing the country's official dictionary. And they've come out with a warning. It's great that I've murdered the English language in explaining what that was, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you'd be in jail in France. Because they've come out and, you know, they've just issued a warning about a new threat. <laughs> Stay calm. It's about the use of the word lol. 
<laughs> so apparently, uh, use of acronyms or use of uh, three-letter words, letter words to describe a, a thing is not not the way to do not, things. Not is not on. Now it's not so. Part of it is, of course, because lol is you know a short name for an English word. But the French have something similar, MDR, mort de rire, and uh, they say you know they prefer that people don't use abbreviations when there's a phrase that can be written out that's more descriptive, even mm. for your 140 character tweets. So mourir is one of the ones that they suggest, which means essentially to die of laughter. Mm. Yeah, well, that's the French. Yes. Now we have a bit of an announcement. Yes. Uh, very, very sad to <laughs> no, say. Well, well, happy and sad. Happy and sad. We're mm. taking a bit of a break. We are. We're, we're going to take three, three months off in the uh, in the new year, which means that next next week, due to the way that uh, the programming grid works here at Joy ninety four point nine, is our last show. That's right. For three months. So tune in because we'll have, um, well, more of the same. Really. <laughs> but if you're, you know, if you're going to miss us over the next three months, hey, why not Why not go for a last hurrah? That's what I'm going to be doing anyway. Right. Well, a, a, yeah, a little, not really last, last hurrah because we're going to be back on April the 11th. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With more meanderings and, I don't know, being distracted and going off tangent. <laughs> so if you like us off tangent, let us know. If you don't like us off tangent, let us know. If we you, value your feedback. We do. And, you know, if you want us to maybe play some music during the show, we can do that as well. Mm. Indeed. So we've got time for today. If you missed any part of the show or if you'd like to peruse previous episodes, you can do so by checking out joy.org.au slash technogaze. And coming up next, of course, is Cravings with Pete Dillon, followed by the boys of Fender Bender and Critical Hit. Excellent working uh, programming for the Saturday afternoon. Enjoy the rest of the holiday season. I hope you all have a great, safe and happy new year. And we will speak to you next year. Next year. Mm. Ciao for now. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.